The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, would you turn to John chapter 15? John chapter 15. As uh, you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of update. We are in the 15th month of a 24-month commitment called the One Life Initiative, which is our church's best effort towards generosity so that we can build a larger adult sanctuary to keep us from just adding endless services. So obviously we started this in January of 2021 after the COVID pandemic had kind of disrupted church, not really sure what to expect. Um, We've grown by over 30% since COVID began. And so that's year over year. And so we are absolutely continuing to grow. Uh, This old graph from the infographic that shows uh, our attendance, third quarter attendance year over year, this is obviously from end of 2020. And so it was projecting uh, attendance in 2021 uh, to be about 650, which um, we were seeing those numbers from our combined onsite and and online numbers, which is hard to calculate, but that's kind of the number that we saw. Um, but even just two weeks ago, we had that many people in-house on, in three services. And so we're seeing those numbers. Our online numbers are already past that 8, 803. Uh, if you combine on, on-site and online, which what is, doesn't really mean anything when you're building a building because unless those people decide to come in, which I hope they do, um, we could just continue to grow both um, on-site and online. But anyway, those are kind of the numbers the way they're going. But I wanted to give you guys an update as we have made it our effort and our our goal during this initiative to not hit the 90% mark, which is what the professionals and consultants tell you is a successful um, fundraising campaign for buildings. If you have a pledge number and you hit 90% of it, then you've done great because you're always going to have some people that fall off, which is always true. And uh, that we've seen that already in the 15 months we've been here, people have left Christ Church or they've been unable to fulfill their commitments. And so 10% is about what we've seen fall off. But we've also seen a continued momentum of new families coming and wanting to participate as they've heard about the One Life Initiative month after month. And people, we have 23 families who've already completely fulfilled 100% of their commitment and have gone over 100% at the 15 month mark. And so uh, because of that, every single month, uh, with one month, we hit 99%. But with every single month, except for that one, we've been over 100%. And so April was no different. Here's the April number. We had $19,757 came in. There were Part of those pledges, which is 146% of our pledge number. And so we can celebrate God's continued faithfulness and support through your generosity. So uh, everybody keeps asking me, like, so when are we going to start? Isn't that the question? When are we going to start? So we've kind of um, finalized the design plan, our, our initial budget with our builder. We've got our financing with the bank. Everything's in, in line. And so we're going to the county to show them our plan, which we've already submitted a piece of that. And they're like, yep, no problem. Just a matter of what it's going to cost us, what additional costs there are from the county. That's always the question, right? They're going to say you need 197 new shrubs or whatever they can, they can do all kinds of stuff. So we have to get those information before we can kind of like have the, the final timeline. But as soon as, as soon as we confirm and begin the architectural drawings is about three to four months. And then the permitting process is three to four months. So six to eight months from any day now, we're going to have, uh, be ready to break ground. And that facility should take between 18 and 24 months. And so some of you have done this before. You're like, that means 36 to 48 months. No, it's not that bad. Uh, we're kind of factoring in overages and shortages and dif- difficulties and so on. So that still means we're a couple of years away from being able to move in. Uh, which means we'll have to find uh, other ways to manage our continued growth, which is great. Those are the problems that we want to have. Can I get an amen? amen? 
Uh, we do have the, uh, an updated pick. We got some feedback on the facility, which is pictured in the lobby. If you got a chance to see it, some people said it looked like an office building. They said, where's my cubicle? And so we've got a slightly updated um, profile. So we're going to mimic a little bit more of the original facility and add some uh, it's just all facade, but it just looks a little bit more attractive. And it gives your eye a place to go because the doors are in the wrong place from where you'd think they would be. And so uh, this is an updated picture. So we'll have lots more information for you. I don't want to take up a lot of time this morning. Um, but if our growth rate continues, when we move into that facility, we will be at two very full services. And who knows what will happen between now and then. And so we're just going to move forward, trust God, and do the next right thing. Can I get amen? And that next right thing... That's what I want to talk about uh, this morning. I also want to let you know in two weeks, uh, we're having our fifth Sunday fun day. So if you've just been, if you're new to Christ Church, we do something that's a little weird. Uh, whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month, which happens typically three times a year, um, we don't have church. So no church on the fifth Sunday. Although we do come here and hang out, but there's no music and no preaching and no service. Um, so we just, everybody's invited to come and just come hang out, chat with people. We're going to do our best to fit everybody on, on site with cars and parking and stuff. And then we're going to have just fun stuff set up for the kids. And we're going to have snacks and games and cornhole and giant Jenga. And it's a great opportunity for you just to meet people and chit chat. You know how you used to get to do that after this, the first second between the services. And now you have like eight minutes to get to your car and someone's honking for your spot. So this is our chance to do that. So We'd, we'd love for you to be there. I understand some of you are like, I need church. Well, that's fine. There's like 44 churches in walking distance from here. So if you want to find a church to go to next two Sundays from now, the fifth Sunday of May, you're welcome to do that. No harm, no foul. We're not offended. Um, but we'd love for you to be here because we would love to have a conversation, hang out. I'd love for you to meet some people and just have fun. It starts at nine, it ends about 12. Um, we're not doing food. There'll be snacks and stuff for the kids, but um, come hang out, leave, whatever. But it's kind of like an open all day or all morning kind of a time together. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. At the center of that though, is gonna be baptism. We got a bunch of people who have taken a step to put their faith in Jesus and they wanna make a public declaration of that faith. So we're gonna be baptizing in two weeks. So if that's something that you're made a decision to do and haven't signed up for it, there is a button on our homepage of our website. You can let us know you wanna be baptized and we will, we will add you to the list and I'll reach out to you. It's gonna be an exciting and fun time in two weeks for Sunday Funday. All right, John chapter 15, you guys ready? John chapter 15, we're gonna read verses one to 17 and I want you to listen for two words. Listen for two words, they're gonna be oft repeated. The first is remain or abide, depending on your translation. The second is command. So John chapter 15, starting in verse one, here's what it says. I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You know, the Greek word for prune and clean are the same. You can't see that in the, in the English, but he's saying you're already pruned. You're cleaned, you're in. Verse four. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This too, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now watch how verse 10 connects these two words, remaining command. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing. We thank you that it has power in it, that it is alive and active, that it pierces down into the tight spot between our fears and motivations, our desires and your design. And God, I thank you that you have a word for us this morning. Lord, every one of us is coming into this space from a different angle, with different situations, with different feelings and different interior conditions. And yet each of us need the same thing, God, and that is to hear your voice and to receive your gifts. And so God, I pray that we would have faith to receive, that our hearts would be willing that our minds would be alert. God, would you speak to us now? In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Isn't it funny that sometimes the things that sound the easiest or like the most exciting sometimes end up becoming like the hardest? Have you ever had that happen? Some of you are like, no, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Let me illustrate. Uh, Since about August of last year, Tiffany and I have both been full-time working with the church, and we have been uh, short-staffed. We've just recently added a staff person, uh, Missy's at the Welcome Center, and she's been an uh, invaluable addition to the staff. But without her, we were going through a really hard time where we were working like really, really long days, many days in a row, not a lot of time off. And there was no way that we could have time off because if we stopped, everything would kind of fall apart. And so we were gifted a week at a house on the beach uh, during Pastor's Appreciation Month for the last week of April. It was right after Easter. So we're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. Only a week between that was our anniversary, which we'd already planned a trip. It was our 20th anniversary. So we had a couple nights away from the kids. And then we had a week of work. And then someone had gifted us a timeshare, which is this coming week. And so all throughout that six months, my brain was like, 
oh, vacations are coming, a bunch of them real close together. We're going to feel so relaxed and rejuvenated. And I had all this hope set on these times away. You know what I'm talking about? And so you're feeling like, it's coming, it's coming. I'm, I'm the most excited. And to be on vacation seems easy, doesn't it? seems like the ceasing of work. And yet, the first week, we're trying to get ready to go away to this, to this beach house, and it's only in New Smyrna, but you're literally having to take everything that you own for a week with all of your children and all your stuff and load up the car. And we took my pickup truck so we could pile it up, clamp it style, and drive it all down there. And, and, uh, and then, you know, it was cool, but we had a wedding that weekend and then three services and then we had youth group and then there was a Thursday night thing. And so we were kind of like working from the beach. And so it was kind of like just every other week with extra work, but we had a better view out the window. That's kind of what it felt like, you know what I'm saying? And we got done with that and we, we packed everything up and brought it back home and unpacked everything and cleaned the house and got everything ready for the week ahead. And we were like, ah, well, at least we're getting away from the kids, you know? And then that time comes and the preparation for that and the babysitters and the food and the lining up everything. And then I'm telling you, we were trying to get ready to go away again. And I'm like, I'm tired of going on vacation. What is going on? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the things that seem like they should be the easiest or the most exciting are the things that end up taking the most work or being the hardest, I mean, being a part of a fast-growing church is the same way. You, you start a church hoping that it grows and that people are blessed and that people find a home and that you have enough people on your team that you're able to mobilize and do things. And you think when that happens, it's like, ah, exciting. And yet, then you start running into all of the difficulties and how are we going to manage this and how's this going to fit and who's going to do what? And there, any little hiccup causes big rifts. And, and so you go, wow, this is exciting, but hard, isn't it? And think about this a little bit more like deep. I, I even think about intimacy, which is a thing we're all not very good at. I love the, the, the phrase, to understand intimacy is into me, see. And we're all on this journey of, of knowing and being known. And the depth of our relationships come from how vulnerable we are with the people closest to us. Are we allow, allowing them to know us for who we truly are? Are we afraid? Are we protective? And so the thing that all of us crave and desire, that is to have a companionship, friendship, intimate love in our, in our romantic relationships or between our children, to really know them and be known by them. The thing we want, oftentimes, what seems like it should be natural, easy, and exciting and beneficial is very difficult to actually apply, isn't it? It can be a lot trickier than we think. And the reality of what has brought us over these past seven years and what we're committed to for the next seven and beyond is a very, very, very simple instruction from Jesus. But sometimes the things that seem like they should be the easiest are actually quite difficult. And so I love that Jesus gives us this half of chapter 15, John chapter 15, and he, if you've noticed, as we read it, he kind of keeps cycling through and saying the same things again and again and again in a different way. And then he gets to the end and he says it again. And then he says it again. And he says a few things and he says it again. And what is he saying? Remain in me. When we started Christ Church in 2015, what we knew was that Jesus was going to be the center of everything. That a church is not a church unless Jesus is at the center. And that the way that we were going to understand and apply the scriptures to our lives and the way we were going to build and structure our community was that we all have the same relationship with Jesus. It is the believer's union with Christ that dictates and defines everything. And so we put it on the sign, Christ Church joined with 
Jesus. It's the most important thing about us. When people get baptized in Christ church, they get a t-shirt. You know what it says? Joined with Jesus. We go into the water to be baptized into his death. We're raised to new life. And everything that we receive from God by faith is a gift that we find in Christ Jesus. And Jesus knew this. Obviously the New Testament writers, the apostle Paul, Peter, again and again and again, they'll say in Christ, in him, 189 times in the New Testament, just that phrase, in him. Because everything is is predicated upon our connection to and relationship with Jesus by faith. And so this is what has mattered to us. And so this morning I could take the 35 and a half minutes that I have to go over our six values and to talk about the future and all of our great goals and plans and celebrate all the things that God has done in the past. And that wouldn't be a waste of time, but I want us to focus in our attention instead on the one apparently easy thing that sometimes seems so difficult. And so the title of this morning's sermon is, you ready? One word, stay. Somebody say stay. You're like, your German shepherd gets it. Your labradoodle can do it. Why can't we stay? Stay. It's so simple, but it can prove so difficult. There's three ways that we're instructed to stay in these first 17 verses of John chapter 15. And so I just want to draw your attention to them briefly. Number one, stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. You want to you wanna radically transform your marriage? Stay close to Jesus. You want to you wanna prevail in parenting? Stay close to Jesus. You want to fulfill your God-given mission on this planet? Stay close to Jesus. You want to overcome the things that terrify you or beset you? Stay close to Jesus. You want to operate in the place where the provision and power of God is most directly centered? Stay close to Jesus. Jesus. It's that simple. Stay. Stay. Look at John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Do you see this connection here, folks? If you remain or abide, stay in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, somebody say it, nothing. Nothing. You ever feel like you're trying so hard and getting nothing done? It's possible that you have not stayed close to Jesus. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Verse six sometimes turns into the hellfire and brimstone scare him into the kingdom sermon. But Jesus is simply stating that there is no life outside of remaining with him. And that the very nature of who you are requires the life that God gives through him. And so to move away from him is to die alone, to be useless and to end pointless and without the eternal life that God wants to give you. And so we're directed by Jesus to stay close to him. And this is highly relational. This is not transactional. One of my big beefs with modern evangelicalism is in an effort to get many people to say yes to Jesus and receive God's gift of salvation is that we emphasize over and over and over again in the preaching in particular and in altar calls, this idea of a transaction that if you believe God, then he's gonna do this thing for you and you give this thing to him and now you receive his eternal life and now you're in and you're good. And so there's this this mental picture of this transaction between us and God and the gospel becomes a deal, a really good deal 
And there's plenty of passages that use transactional, legal, or forensic illustrations to talk about what this deal looks like. It's based on faith. We receive it as a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We, we, we simply take God at his word and we do receive all the blessings that belong to Christ and are in him. And then we're invited to walk in them. But unfortunately, oftentimes we neglect the fact that all of these passages are also highly relational. Jesus isn't saying stay and by staying, you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this or you believe this and you believe this and you believe this. He's saying, stay close to me. Look at verse nine. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I love when the disciples wake up uh, when the Jesus movement was first starting with his ministry and they go to find Jesus and he's just gone. Where's Jesus? Well, he got up in the wee hours and he disappeared to a quiet, solitary place. Why? To spend time with his father, to sit under the love of God, to stay near. And he sets for us an example. This is a highly relational command. Stay close to Jesus. And when we do so, we end up keeping his commands. We all have this propensity to drift. I talk about this with the youth group on Wednesday night. Uh, we do a word of the week every week and we're, on, we're going through the alphabet because they're middle school. And so we got to the letter L and so the word was led. And we looked at Psalm 23 and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we talked about our need to be led. And I was telling the kids, no, most of them don't have sheep. In fact, none of them have sheep. But one of the, the things about sheep is that they, they drift away. They wander off super, super easy because they're just head down, munching away, munch, 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 munch. And when you're munching and you're head down, you just follow where the best grass is and you're not thinking of anything. And then a, a, a dumb sheep will get full and look up and be like, how did I get here? And I don't know how many times I've had that experience as a grown adult man. I'm just, I'm just busy doing stuff. And then one day I have like a self-awareness, a moment to breathe and I sit back and I go, how did I get here? You guys ever felt that? Some of you are like, I feel like that right now. How did I end up here in this place right now? What series of events led me to this? Because we are all prone to drift. You know, we're not, we're not people who stay fixed. We don't. We, we, we set our hopes and dreams and heart on things. Stuff gets our attention and we just, we just move subtly and slowly in that direction. I'm a surfer, so I grew up with this phenomenon because the ocean doesn't sit still. And so depending on which way the wind is blowing and the swell is moving, you can get into the water at, at one street and by the time you get out, you are 10 blocks away or 10 miles, depending on how far, far that drift is going and how long you stay in. And you get out onto the beach, it's, just, it's the same beach, but you are not close to home. <laughs> and Jesus knows that this is our everyday experience. And so he gives us this very simple command. You gotta stay close. You gotta stay close. And I had this conversation with my son, Julian. He's, he's five and you know, every five-year-old just darts off. They just want to they see and they run and they go. And so one of the things I say to him all the time is like, hey, we're in a parking lot. Stay close to dad. Why? Because you are short and I am tall and cars cannot see you. Do you understand? You, it's dangerous for you. Stay close to me. And this is very, very elementary, but this is pivotal, critical. And so many of us are so bad at it. Do you realize that? We got we to gotta sit under his love. We got to turn our attention to his word. We got to come to him every single day. This is one of the things I love about recovery programs. People who have been through recoveries, they, they come to the awareness that they always end up ruining their lives through their bad decisions, trying to cope with their own issues. 
And when they find recovery, it's when they realize that they need help outside of them and they've got to do the work to stay close to the power source because it's not in here. Now, unfortunately, everybody's not in recovery. And if we're all honest, there's some group we all ought to be in. Can I get an amen? Just kind of part of the way we do church around here. And so here's what Jesus wants for you as you stay close. Increased fruitfulness. Did you notice the two connections to you having all your prayers answered because of your proximity to Jesus? What was going on there? Whatever you asked for, well, here's the thing. When you're sitting right inside the love of God, when you're connecting with Jesus and staying super close, when you're listening to his words and you know exactly what he wants you to do today and how he wants you to respond in this situation, do you know that God gives you everything you need to do what he's asked you to do? He's not stingy. Sometimes we're far away from the answers to our prayers because we're, we don't even know what he's telling us to do. God's not looking to fund your disobedience, brothers and sisters. Do you know that? But when you are walking close with him and hearing his voice and following after him and sitting in his love, he always gives you exactly what you need. And so we stay close to Jesus. He wants to increase your capacity and he wants to increase your joy. I've said these things to you that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. And who doesn't want that? Secondly, this very simple command, we're supposed to stay close to Jesus. We're also supposed to stay constant in mission constant in mission. Verse 15, Jesus says, I don't call you servants anymore because servants don't know the master's business. You know, God has a plan. Some people are here this morning trying to figure out God's plan for their life. Well, God's got a plan for this universe. You're not going to find it in legacy news media. Can I get amen? They don't know what it is and they're not even close, but God's got a plan and he's called his friends to be a part of his plan. He chose you for this. He appointed you for this. He wants you to go somewhere and he wants you to bear fruit. And I love this little parenthetical hyphenated phrase, fruit that will last. In order for us to really experience the power of God in our lives, we've got to not only stay close to Jesus, but we got to stay constant in our purpose and mission, which is a part of what God is doing on the planet. Now, some of you are like, oh, you lost me there. Well, here, have you ever walked into a room only to forget what it is you went into that room for in the first place? <laughs> Have you ever been like on a mission? You're like walking and then you're like, wait, what am I doing? Have you ever done that? I know you have. How about you've gone in, you're looking for your glasses, right? And you walk in and you're like, what am I doing? And then you see some things that need to be done and you've already lost the mission. And so you start doing the other things until you realize you can't see. And then you're like, I need my glass. That's what it was, you know? How many of you, right? Hopefully it's not where you're on a mission and the mission was to provide a roll of toilet paper to somebody in the upstairs hall bath. Like, what was I doing down here? Oh, the dishes need to be done. I'll just work on that for a little while. You know, like we get ourselves in trouble because we quickly forget the mission, don't we? We absolutely do. And we can do this so fast. Listen, I'm going to be vulnerable with you for a second. On more than two occasions in the past month, I have lost the mission while filling a cup of water at the refrigerator. And you know, the filter starts to get a little clogged in there and the water comes out a little slower and it used to be like, and now I don't have that much. I don't have eight seconds to wait. And so I push the water and then I start thinking about something until water's spilling over my wrist. So that's how I come back to what the mission was. We have very, very short attention spans, but I want to remind you that uh, it's your career is not the mission. Your retirement plan is not the mission. Your next vacation is not the mission. Your goal, your sales goals are not the mission. Your, plan, your college plans are not the mission. God's got, all of those things matter, but those are not the mission. 
And here's the thing, when you stay close to Jesus, you stay focused on the things that he's focused with. And you know what he's preoccupied with? People. You know what the fruit that will last is? It's people. It's people. You know, the only thing you will carry with you post-death is your relationships with those who have eternal life. Do you know that? That's it. That's all you get to take with you is the relationships, the investments that you've made in people. And this is what we, this is the kind of church we want to stay. It is very easy to get, to get focused somewhere else. Even with building projects, maybe you've been in a church, you're like, oh no, they're building. I don't know if I want to be here for this. I'll come back when it's done. Why? Why? Because we get churches easily can just shift the focus from people to spaces. And the spaces are for the people. That's why we're building them in the first place, right? But it's easy to go, what's oh, going to look like this and do this. And people are fighting about how it should happen this way. No, we should do that. And we can't afford that. What if we didn't do this? We could afford this. And then it just big distraction happens. And what's happened? You've drifted all the way away from the mission. And so we, we've got to stay close to Jesus. We've got to stay constant in mission. And here's one of the reasons that I know this is so important. I saw this on the news pop up uh, last year. There was this church built in 1929 in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's spelled Worcester pronounce Worcester. You guys know how they talk? You know that little, that little brown sauce in your, it's not soy sauce. It's not ketchup. It's Worcestershire, right? Well, this is a Catholic cathedral built in 1929, at, modeled after Notre Dame. See if you guys see this picture. Let me show them this picture. Isn't this beautiful? So in 1929, this was the epicenter of town. Everybody filled this church week in and week out. But because of spiritual and moral decline in the state of Massachusetts, this has been empty since 2007. It was bought by developers and they looked for ways to repurpose it. And they decided they couldn't. And there was not enough, and there was no money making way to use this facility in the community. And so you know what they did? They just knocked it right down. Is that not heartbreaking? Isn't that heartbreaking? But what a stark reminder that your building doesn't matter. Do you realize this? But what does matter is the hundreds or thousands of lives who have been changed inside of that building. That's all that lasts. And God wants you to use your days to bear fruit that lasts. You gotta be connected with him. He's the source, he's the power, he's the strength. But we gotta stay on mission. This is why we are so committed to God's passion, which is people. And then lastly, we gotta stay connected. Somebody say connected. Stay close to Jesus, stay constant in mission, and we got to stay connected to others. This is super important. It's one of the things I also love about recovery groups is they recognize the power of relationships, the power of friendships, community, people who are just like you that have your back, who are going to call you when you fall off the wagon, who are going to ask you the tough questions, and who are going to love you no matter what you do or how bad you screw up. And this, is, this ought to be a picture of the Christian church. We ought to be people who are connected to each other. It doesn't mean you have to be friends with everybody. I'd advise against it. Can hardly remember anybody's name in your section. But we got to find our people and stay connected. One of the things that happens when we get off mission and far away from Jesus is that we go searching for things to give us life. And those things always destroy our relationships and lead us away from the very people that God wants us to stay connected to. John 15, 12 to 14. My command is this, so simple. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. But most of us aren't willing to lay down our plans, our commitments, our calendars, our workload. And yet we've got to stay connected. You are my friends if you do what I command. In verse 17, he says it again. This is my command, love each other. And I just have to say this because I want to go circle back to point one. Um, groups are important 
Connection is important, but we are not Jesus. Can I get amen? Listen, we are a bunch of fruit, but we are not the branch. We are not the vine. He is the vine. He is the source. Oftentimes we need each other and then we start to draw on each other. And what do we do? We suck the life out of each other. That's what we do. And so we've got we to stay close to Jesus. The only way we're going to be connected to one another in a life-giving way is if we're all close to Jesus and receiving from him. Don't you know it? And as we're trying to invest in other people to see their lives change, that's the fruitfulness God wants to yield. And we can't give them what we don't have. We got to get it from Jesus. And so we stay close to Jesus. We stay constant in mission. We stay connected with others. We're getting all the things God wants to give us and all the ways God wants us to do it. But we are being fed by the vine. One of the, one of the questions people get asked all the time because they come to Christ Church and they go, wow, this is a great church. I love this. I love this. I love this. I want to get in a small group. Where are the small groups? And we say, we don't have any. Why don't you have small groups? I'm currently writing a pamphlet. Remember pamphlets? Here, read this. There's your answer. Here's your long answer. Why, why, why don't you have small groups? We don't disbelieve in small groups. Uh, they're an approach. Lots of churches are using them right now and they're an effective approach, especially as the church gets big and you can't connect and there's not time between services and you don't have your people and you can't find your people. Small groups are a great way to do that. At some point, we might do that. Small groups definitely have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. And some churches try to make a biblical case, like if you don't have small groups, then you hate God, which is not true, by the way. The reality is, is that right now, because of the way we're structured, we think everyone should be in a small group, but we're not going to do that work for you. We tried a couple times, didn't go very well. Um, but we are saying, you create your community. This is what we say, implement your identity, engage in your purpose, and create your community. So it's work, but it's work that each of us has to do. And so I just want you to know that we're not gonna do it for you. But here's our small group strategy. You ready? It's three points. Follow Jesus, have friends, don't be weird. Okay? Can you do that? Can we try that together? One of the reasons you don't like small groups is you go to one and you're like, everyone here is weird. They think you're the weird one, by the way, also. But listen, follow Jesus, have friends. Some of you are like, I don't have any friends. Make some. We're not gonna make your friends for you. Like, here's a small group. Here's your friends. Thanks. Thank you. No, no. And if you can't make friends, see point number three, okay? So follow Jesus, have friends, and don't be weird. That's, that's our plan. And as you do that, if you want other people to be a part of that, we have a page, a static page, where you can tell us that your group is meeting, and we'll put your group information up there, whatever level is appropriate, help people connect and contact you and get, get to be a part of your group, as long as your group is these three things, small, seasonal, and specific. It's gotta be small. There's no sense in having a small group of 49 people. Do you realize that? That's just a church plant waiting to happen. All right. So 12 and under, if it gets too big, just make it two. It's not hard. It's math, basic math. Remember the second grade? Did you guys do that in the second grade? So under 12, specific, have a stated purpose. Otherwise your group becomes, we get together and we sit around and stare at each other awkwardly. And then you're back to point three from before. Don't be weird. And then seasonal. We just ask that you tell us when your group is going to start and when it's going to end, how long it's going to be. It could be six weeks, 16 weeks, 64 weeks, as long as it has an end, because sometimes people are too afraid to leave early, okay? So you need to give them an exit ramp to get out of the group, and then you can decide if you want to do it again. No harm, no foul. That's all we ask. And if you want to do that, we will put your group out there. You can welcome people into it. That is how we do small groups. That's why we don't have them. You should have them, and we'll put yours out there. But we got to stay connected. Find your people. Find your people to love and invest in them. Have a circle that you can love and that the love of God can flow through you and to them and you can receive the same. Amen? So it's really simple today. Stay. Somebody say stay. 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 
I want to close drawing our attention back to what is the most important. I listen to a lot of uh, fast-growing churches and I follow them. And one of the things that fast-growing churches do is they talk a lot about what kind of church they are. We are this kind of church and we do that and we will always be like this and we will never do that. And this is how we're different from them. And we're not going to be like that church that does these things that way. And so if you ever hear people talking all the time about what kind of church they are, sometimes it's very easy to get far, far away from what's at the center. And his name is Jesus. It's not complicated. And so we're just trying to stay close to him. And so I want to close not telling you all the cool things about Christ Church that make us better than other churches. I want to close by reciting to you a hymn written in 1866 by Samuel John Stone entitled The Church's One Foundation. They're so clever back then. They used to just name the song after the first line of the hymn. (laughs) No creativity required. And I'll ask the worship team to join me on stage as, as I read. Listen to this. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, She waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Yet she on earth hath union with God, the three in one and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. O happy ones and holy, Lord, give us grace that we, like them, the meek and lowly, on high may dwell with thee. God, we thank you that Jesus is the church's foundation. God, with all the things we decide to do and not to do and build and not to build and all of our exciting plans and celebration of growth, Lord, all those things are great, but all about you, Jesus. And so we want to stay close to you as individuals and as a community. We want to stay constant in what's most important to you and give our lives for the good of other people near and far. God, we want to stay connected with one another, that we can be a people who reflect your great love toward us for each other. So God, I just pray as we live lives like that, that we would just be such a blessing to your heart. God, that we would just be pouring out love in your direction as we listen to your commands and obey you and receive every answer to every prayer. God, I just pray that we would learn what it means to stay close to you. And Lord, that you would be blessed by the times that we spend together. God, protect our church for the next seven years and 70 years. Lead us and guide us and help us each, God, to learn what it means to stay close. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand.